0: Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast, number eight sixty nine. This episode is James Corden, which is uh, was actually a Talking with Chris Hardwick episode on AMC. That show was on Sunday nights at 11 10 Central uh, Charlie Hunnam will be the next guest on Sunday uh, the following Sunday after that will be Jordan Peele and then the cast of Orange is the New Black and uh, and then a much more just uh, got Jane Lynch coming up got Brian Cranston coming up got Neil deGrasse Tyson coming up so and then we put out a, an extended version uh, of the show as a podcast just for you the Nerdist podcast listeners so if you can if you if you have the if you have the desire, just uh, click subscribe. Subscribe to this podcast. it I never ask people to do that, but you know what? Uh, it actually is helpful. So click subscribe so you don't miss these. And, uh, and here we go. The Nerdist Podcast number 869 with James Corden. Watch The Late Late Show. Weeknights on CBS. Uh, James is... A lovely, delightful human being, and it was incredibly sweet of him to come do this show. We, are, we do it in the studio literally next door to his, And uh, but he had a day off, and he came in and uh, he came in and did this for us anyway, so uh, we really appreciate it. All right, so here we go, Nerds Podcast 869, James Corden, Katie Levine, roll the thing.
1: Now entering Nerdist.com.
0: Twitter and Instagram and Facebook using an at Talking. <laughs> Today I'm going to read your questions, your comments, and your comments, and even show some video messages just in time uh, for Mr. James Corden. Plus, our studio audience is going to have the chance to come up and ask questions. I will give out prizes, because that is what we do on this program. Uh, but, James Corden, welcome to the... Thank you so much for well, doing this, by me. the it's way. So I so love, you, love way you to see it. Oh. We are neighbors. So lovely to
1: yeah. so you you, you said you shoot a lot of sketches in the studio we, in this studio when you're not here we will come in here and we will shoot lots of extra bits for our show in this room so all of this is still here but we'll be over there like forming a boy band with Jordan Peele and Nick Kroll <laughs> or, you know doing something very very silly over there so I feel like I, I've feel very much at home in Well, this I'm not jealous
0: at all that you're inside my studio when I'm not in it. I think that's totally fine. I don't mind sharing it with yeah. you. No, uh, it was, this yeah. was the original Late Late studio. Was it really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Craig, my dressing room was Craig's dressing room. Ah. This was the stage, and then he moved next door. He moved next door. And then, and then you and then you got the palace next door. Yes. I, yes. I love coming to that studio and going, oh, shit, this is what a studio is like. <laughs> <laughs> well, We're relatively intimate here. Yeah, it's lovely. It's a wonderful environment. It's a it's beautiful nice. place. Yeah. So I wanna, you know, we've become pals over the past like year For and sure. a half or so. Yeah. And uh but I realize I actually I don't really know that much about you. Mm. So I know I, I I obviously I was familiar with Gavin and Stacy. Yeah. But Craig Owens, your character in Doctor Who, Yes. of course, I yeah. am, and I think it was the first thing I said to you when I met you. Like, yeah.
1: I love you in Doctor Who.
0: Yeah. Do people still... Because you know that's going back a few years
1: now. That oh, was... They do, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I really loved... I really, really loved doing those Doctor Who episodes, uh, mostly because they... Well, I, I was only ever meant to do one, and I think in, with, with Doctor Who, they have to um, spread their sort of budget Right. Because they always want to end with a very, very big episode. Of course. So the episode that I was in was actually, I would think, in, in many ways, closer to what Doctor Who was when it started. Right. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was, in many ways, it was Matt and I in a sort of odd, unconventional sitcom. Do you know what I mean? Right. And, uh, and I just loved working with him so much, with Matt Smith. And I've had numerous people say, oh, w- will you come back and play that character? And, and I sort of feel like. I'm very touched that they would ever want that to be the case but I feel like my involvement in that show is is really because of Matt right. and my friendship with him and my and my love of him and I don't know if I would I don't know if I'd go and do it with someone else but we'll see who the next doctor will be. We don't know who I'm that's going to be excited. We don't know who that's going to be. I think it's going to be a lady.
0: I think that would be great. Wouldn't I it think it would brilliant? be great. I mean there were, there were a handful of names that I thought you know, before Capaldi got hired, yep. I was saying I, I was campaigning for Richard Iowate, I yes. thought would be a oh great doctor. Yeah, um, and then I then there was a rumor circulating that melted my brain was Tilda Swinton, but apparently that was just like yeah. fan chatter. Sure, but Tilda would be an incredible doctor.
1: Well, I tell you who I think it I think it might be, oh. and I'm basing this on no information. Okay, sure. This is there is no facts in this. I'm giving you a scoop. This is
0: America! We don't care about real facts!
1: (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) All you have to do is just say it! (laughs) So, (laughs) I think there is a brilliant, brilliant actress called Maxine uh, Peake in the UK who uh, many people have always said would be an incredible Doctor Who and I think... I think she'd be a great doctor. I well, think she would be a brilliant doctor, and I hope so much that they do pick uh, a, a lady, or a woman, or a girl. You know, I think. I
0: think after. I, I think after uh, fifty-three odd years, for, yeah. t- f- f- over fifty years, it's probably time. For sure. I
1: mean, and I just think it would. I think it would give that show a real boost of something new. You know. Well, also, it's just the doctor is a character that can really be anyone. I mean, yeah. he's not. It's not, he's, he's an alien. He has no human gender, technically. Well, exactly. He's not bound by colour or race or gender or face, and so he, uh, he or she can be whoever it is, and so I hope that they're brave enough to make a bold decision next time, So I think Peter's Amazing and was a completely brilliant and, and inspired choice. And I'm really intrigued to see what they do next.
0: That would be fantastic. But sure.
1: so you did
0: Doctor Who for a while, for a couple episodes, and then you came over the point. But, you're, but you're, is, your, is your background in theater or was your background specifically in, in comedy?
1: Um, not really. I, I, I started acting when I was sort of around about 16 or 17. I, got a, uh, I auditioned for a musical in the West End and I got, it was a musical called Martin Gear that was written by the people who wrote Les Miserables and Miss Saigon, and it was an absolute disaster. <laughs> Why? Um, Why was it a disaster? Because it was just terrible. <laughs> it was a terrible show. Um, and I was, um, like, you know, the fourth guy from the left on the back in the chorus of that show, and my intention was to do that, go and uh, finish my A-levels, which is sort of a, a, the part of what you would call the end of high school, basically, but at school you have school and then A-levels and then university in Britain. And then right at the end of that show, I uh, got a film... I auditioned for a film with a British director called Shane Meadows, who is a a truly brilliant director. So I shot a film with him and and then I just got an agent and then I managed to just start working. And uh, I never really thought about writing comedy or anything until I was in a play called The History Boys, which we did in at the National Theatre in London and then we took on a world tour and went to Broadway and my, my want to write something came out of frustration, if anything, uh, when that play became, it really became like the play to see uh-huh. in London and in New York and it had eight boys in it who were all a similar age and uh, all the boys were coming in with like endless film scripts and Movie scripts, like, Dominic Cooper... Oh, Dominic Cooper, was yeah. in the play. Was, like, it now. my old flatmate and my best friend, he introduced me to my wife, and he was coming in with, oh, I've got a meeting with Spielberg, and i got a... <laughs> he doesn't talk like that. Um, <laughs> and I would get sent, like, the two pages of a script of a guy who drops off a TV to Hugh Grant. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, would be, like, a sort of... ..bubbly barman or something, with just two scenes with someone. And I was like, oh, oh, these, these are only... This is all just being chosen on... This is only the way I look, which is making people go, well, you look like that, and we don't believe that interesting things happen to people who look like you. So uh, you are very much the person who gives a drink to a good-looking person, and when they fall in love, it's really interesting, but when you fall in love, <laughs> it's very, very boring. But you know you what know, what? But what I would say to that is that I, I find the,
0: the, the, the lead characters are usually the boring characters. I think a lot of times, especially in comedy, the lead characters can be the boring characters, and the funny characters are all of the ancillary characters that have none of the pressures of having to carry the project. Well,
1: oddly, not that I would ever... I would hope that, would, that they would never be seen as, as boring in our show, but when we wrote Gavin and Stacey, myself and Ruth Jones... Who we were in a TV show, we shot a TV show together for ITV, a drama, and uh, we were both, I think, feeling a sort of sense of frustration in our careers that it was just reliant on agents or casting directors choosing whether you were the right person. And we right. were like, "Well, let's write something." So we wrote this TV show about two people who fall in love, and their two best friends have a one-night stand and never want to see each other again. But these two people fall in love and get married, and it's sort of... The show is about how when two people fall in love, the ripple effect that affects all of their family and friends is sort of never-ending. Right. Because of one choice that they made, you know? And we wrote this show, and, and then to our absolute surprise, it got made. And then to our even bigger surprise, it became it, it became like the biggest sitcom in, in Britain at that time. And that was really what sort of changed my career, really, and, and, and gave me a sense of going, oh, well, you... You can be in charge of your career and take ownership of it. You've just got to knuckle down and and do it. You don't have to just wait for a phone to ring.
0: Yeah, and that show ran for, was it 07 to 2010? Yeah, we did
1: like, because at home we do much shorter seasons. Yeah, that's like 20 seasons here in America. Exactly. We'll do like, uh, we did like, yeah, we did in total, we did about 23 episodes over three Seasons. Oh, yeah. my God. You know, it's so... The way the BBC works... It was BBC or yeah, ITV? it was, it was the BBC. BBC
0: show, yeah. The way the BBC works is so fascinating because it's not... It's, it's, it's not commercialised quite in the same way as American television. So American television will be like, 23 the first season... For sure. And then you're doing this show... You know, you sign a seven-year contract and yeah. then you,
1: you're, you're in it. Well, the amazing thing about the BBC um, and the National Theatre, which are the two places, essentially, which were responsible for me being an actor, being a performer and doing anything and sitting here with you now are both uh, publicly funded um, arts programmes. Right. I guess the, the National Theatre starts every year with a, a government grant of £10 million. Oh, wow. Which means that the uh, the National Theatre don't have to think about... Profits, or, or it's not their first thought. Right. Their first thought doesn't have to be what will be commercially viable, and from that comes an incredible freedom in which you create War Horse, or The History Boys, or A One Man Two Governors, or a Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, and so many incredible plays that have gone on and are still playing right now. Um, and the BBC too is a, a Publicly funded, you pay a licence fee. Every year, I think it works out at about £10 a month, £12 a month, maybe, um, which is about $15, I guess. And there are no commercials. And it's uh, a show where... And they they will make... And they are responsible for The Office and Doctor Who Mm -hmm. and uh, so many incredible other shows and other incredible careers. So since moving here to America... I uh, I find I find many things confusing in this past sort of six months. But <laughs> the thing I find quite sad is sort of reading about this current administration's sort of lack of uh, even understanding of what supporting the arts would give right. to the very people you're uh, seeming to pro- to protect. That uh, nothing when you when you start from a place of not wanting to make money. Like, I don't believe that when Lin-Manuel Miranda sat down to write Hamilton, he said, I'm going to write the biggest show in the world. It's going to be a hip-hop musical about the life of Alexander Hamilton. And people went, (laughs) woo!
0: Dollar signs! Why do we sign up? Kids love Alexander Hamilton. Who <laughs> doesn't? I mean, whether or not you're an Aaron Burr supporter yeah. or a Hamilton of supporter, course. the kids always talk about how much they love former You're going
1: to have a number about Lafayette in there? This is going to be huge. Like, it just doesn't happen. No. But what happens when someone's going, I have a story and I have something that I want to tell and say, they are the things that will go on and... Uh, and, and become institutions. Well, what you're talking about is is, is is
0: being driven by passion. And so many times in the you know almost thousand episodes of podcasts that I've done, I've talked to people, I always find, and personally and for myself too, the moment where everything changes when you stop going, hey, I'm going to stop trying to make everyone else happy and I'm just going to focus on something that I am very much into and passionate about. And it sounds like that's what happened with Gavin and Stacy
1: too. For sure. And that's sort of uh, essentially what I've tried to do since then, really, the thing that really, the thing that I get excited about, the thing that turns me on, really, is just um, wanting to be creative every day. Right. That's all I really ever want is just to be creative every day and be surrounded by creative people. To have the, the feeling of going, oh, what can we do that's fun today, you right. know? And that's where, um, that's where I find this show incredibly fun. It's where... Doing a play like One Man, Two Governors, as much as you are doing the same thing every day, wherever you can change it up or mix things up or do those things, is um,
0: incredibly exciting. That Broadway's good. By the way, I, I don't know why. My brain always wants to change One Man, Two Governors to Two Governors, One Cup. Do you have that problem in your head? <laughs> yes. Which is a much different video it's a Ooh.
1: very different play. Governor. It's a very thank you, Governor. Different play.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it yeah, but it's, it feels like more of an off Broadway, production. <laughs> it's off off Broadway.
0: It's more off-putting Broadway. Yeah. Uh but
1: when you I, I love to
0: cuz I don't I don't have the theater bug like from I mean I love doing stand up but I don't but actually being in a play sure and I think because I feel like I would be so claustrophobic in the same thing day in day out matinee performances yeah. performances where you know maybe not a lot of people show up or the audience just isn't paying For sure. like it seems like a brutal how do you keep it fresh
1: It's really hard it's really it's really hard in fact since I've done this job now in the last sort of 2 years I have people that go god I don't know how you do it how do you do it every day? And I think, well, this is compared to doing, like, I think we did 496 performances of the History Boys oh in God. two years and four months. And we did uh, 440 one man, two governors in two years. Um, and that's, a, it's a lot, you know, it's a, it's a lot on your body. It's a lot to keep that grind going. But then, I don't know, I just come, from a place of going, of course, you can sit and go, "Oh my god, it 's just so tough- like you can do that with anything, whereas actually, if you just try and go the way i th- in fact, the way I think about the show i 'm doing now comes from when I was doing one Man two Governors, where there were points where you you know you 're walking down the stairs on a hot New York Wednesday afternoon, thinking, i don 't know how I do this twice today, like and it 's tough is actually what I try and do." is go, imagine if someone said at the end of today's show, oh, by the way, that's it. You're never going to do this again. Uh, you're just going to... Yeah, there's a bit of technical problem. That's it. It's over. Because I could, remem- I could remember my last show doing the History Boys, where I was crying my eyes out with the rest of the cast going, I can't believe we're never going to do this again. And then One Man, Two Governors, when it got to the last show you're like, oh, my God, this is a huge part of my life and I'm never going to do it again. And I started to feel bad for the ones where I've perhaps taken it for granted. So doing this show now, I already can feel that at the moment that I stop doing the Late Late Show, whenever that may be, I will be in bits because of the people and the thing that it's brought to my life. So if, you can, if I just remind myself of that every day and go, at some point, this won't be your life and you'll really miss it, <laughs> don't be looking back going, oh, I wish I'd, I wish I'd not moaned as much Right,
0: right, right doing Yeah, you, it, you never know? want to think back and go, God, I got really... You, 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 never want, you never want to look back and go, oh, then there was that one time I got really pissed off because there wasn't beef jerky in my dressing room. Well, that's you know? what I
1: mean, just all of those things. You've just got to think it's just a, it's just a privilege, it, it, all of it. It's a privilege to sit here. It's a privilege to do this. It's a privilege to live in America it's a privilege to be healthy. I consider it a privilege, a privilege just to have clean water right. in there. And uh, that's why I sort of think in, in this midst of just doom and gloom, which I sort of find on my Twitter feed every day, from people who seem from what I can work out to be... Uh, and I understand the worry and I understand the fear and I get it and I feel it too. But, like, you know, I think 25% of the planet don't have clean drinking water. Right. And you have to go... There's just two ways you can look at it and you will always be life will always be better if you're just trying to be as positive as you can be about it. it, you know? I agree with I that. Think, especially because
0: <laughs> I think there's such an there's such an overwhelming amount of anxiety right now and I think a lot of it I I do really blame a lot of it on social media because I think you know, you're you're seeing everyone's I, I think the gap between uh the way people's brain works and the unfiltered nature for which they communicate on social media. Yeah. It's just like, oh, fear. So here's a tweet about fear. I'm feeling this fear, so i got gonna... And so we're seeing all this negativity. And not that there's not bad shit in the world, but there's also a lot of good stuff in the world, too. But so much of the bad stuff is what we gravitate toward because we're, you know, we're terrified. Of course. And so I think it's so important to have voices who are positive and go, yeah, 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 there's a, there is bad shit out there. But let's also remember that there are good things out there, well, too. Well, also,
1: not only that, I was having a chat with an Uber driver the other day who uh, wasn't born here and uh, wasn't raised here, and he was talking, understandably, about uh, some fears that he felt right now, being in America. He's got two young children here. He'd lived here for uh, 14 years, he said, and for the first time he felt like maybe he didn't belong here. And I said... Uh, I said, you know what you need to remember, and this is the only thing you can keep coming back to, is when it came to voting, there were more American people who made a decision to go, I don't want that to represent me, than did. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like, if you feel like, oh, man, it just, it's all this... No, no, no. The majority of people, when they voted didn't want that right and if you think about that and you just go yeah of course it's just some crazy electoral college thing that's brought us to this and i also understand the people who would vote for change like in the same as like brexit's happened at home i get it but uh you know you were uh, yeah i just think it will all of course there are always things to moan about Right. You find anything to moan about, and oh, my God, I can bitch and moan. Like, <laughs> the worst. Like, the worst. I mean, the stuff that I've said in my life where I start have to check myself and go, what are you talking about? It's the thing with actors, you know. An actor's first day on a set, someone will go, can I get you a drink? And they'll go, who, me? Oh, no, don't worry, I can get it. Oh, please, silly. please, what are you talking no, no, about? No, I'll no, get no. you a drink. I'll get you something. I'll get you what a you drink. Write? I'm going to run to the set. And then, like, day four... yeah. They're like, where is my rope? Empty! This mug is empty! No,
0: I'm not... I don't care what time I'm supposed to be on set. If you want me on set, this mug needs to be full. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but I, I think that's... You know, some of it's... Uh, we, we, we have to learn to not make ego decisions, and it's very, it's very seductive to be controlled by our ego.
1: Of course. It's crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. As soon as you sort of realize that you're... I find lots of people seem to think that their brain is them. Right. Like, in the way that if you go, uh, oh, my arm hurts, you don't go, oh, my whole body hurts. Right. It's like, oh, it's my arm. I've hit my arm. My arm hurts. Right. But when it's something in your mind, when it's your brain and it's your thing, you will let that define how you completely feel. Right. And if you can go, oh, my brain is telling me to feel a bit depressed or feel a bit rubbish right now or or, or perhaps stay in bed today, if you go, God, what's my brain doing? Isn't it stupid? Right. I'm going to try and override that. That, like, you you, you know as soon as you can disassociate that your mind is going to do some really stupid, ridiculous things and it's going to tell you to make some terrible choices and uh, some of them will be great fun. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And the more you can just override that, like... Someone, let me see, can I do this thing with you? Sure, sure. Cut this out sure. of the show. What is it? You down to okay. Someone did this thing to me and I've never ever forgotten it. And I, this has never not worked, but then I've never done it on television in front of people. <laughs> okay, so. My, do my not stay no, on? No, 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 no. So, I pants, want you to put okay. your hands like this, right? Yeah, yeah. And what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and pull here and break this and pull my finger through this, right? And I'm going to really pull it hard. I want you to think about great things, wonderful things. Your wedding, when you met your wife, uh, great (laughs) holidays you had, going to (laughs) Japan. And look, my knuckles are white, right? Now stop. So now do it again. Okay. And I'm going to try and break it again. Okay. And I want you to think of... uh, Take a minute to just think of uh, bad times in your life. Things that have happened. come on, man. (laughs) And that's it. That never doesn't work. You will always be stronger if you're just looking for the good in something.
0: I agree. I agree. And you know what's funny about it is that I feel like I—I uh, I don't know if you—I don't know if you get this, but I feel like I because it—it's not like I haven't struggled with depression or anxiety in my life. Oh and, my! And, you God, know, I'm a very Lord anxious half, person. Yeah. But uh, but what I what I choose to try to put in the world is very positive, and I find that. I actually get a lot of shit from people who are like, "Oh, everything is great, And I kind of go, "Yeah, because you happiness is a choice
1: and you fucking have to make it that way, you know? <laughs> But also, yeah, cuz I get that sometimes. I have people go, "Oh, you you would know, to be so happy about." And I always think, "Right, you're you're tweeting this to me, which means you've got a phone and <laughs> <Yeah>. the internet." <laughs> yeah. Which already puts you in the top fifteen percent of people on the planet. Do you know it, what I mean? it, is, it is kind of funny to see. It is kind of put, see funny to see someone go,
0: "Hey man, check your privilege." Tweeted from iPhone. Well, that's all right. Yeah. There, yeah. you're already. Yeah. You're not. I mean, yeah, yeah. you're not. I mean, and again, you know. It, it, and I, ab- i completely admit. Yes, we lead very privileged lives, but you know, it wasn't always. It wasn't always that way. And you know, it was a lot. Did you have any? Did you have any
1: struggles with any any brain stuff? Any like? Oh yeah, yeah, I love that still all the time. Like, oh man, like I get I get terrible like anxiety about stuff. I feel yeah all the time, and there, uh, you know, I've always I've always struggled with uh, kind of what I look like, how I am, and those things, and I and I and I really feel it's probably about... I've been saying for a long time, and it's starting to creep up on me, I've been saying to people for a long time, I'm going to peak at 40. <laughs> so I'm going I'm to be at my physical peak at 40. I'm like, at 40? And I hit. most people get less attractive. And my intention <laughs> is to get more attractive from the age of 40 to 60. And people go, what happened Holy there? crap. Shit. Yeah. And, uh, but give your applause <laughs> because it's creeping up, and I'm really gonna have to, you know. Like I went to the gym today, and I'm so it's so depressing. I mean, It's so. I mean, like, what is this thing of like just? Like, I go to the gym today, and I'm like, right, this is what I want to do. I want to look better here, and I want to lose this. I want to lose all of this. And he goes, great. This is what we're gonna do. <laughs> Lunges. <laughs> Yes. No! (laughs) That won't do it. That won't do it. You want some sort of American Ninja Warrior course? No, but if you commit to this and you do this every day, I'm like, no. (laughs) I want this to happen. I want to go to the gym once, and then that's it. You want, and then I results. will maintain it. But unless I see results, yeah. Because let me tell you, I see results if I eat a sandwich. Right. <laughs> All I want is the same ratio in reverse from the gym. That if I go out and eat a three-course meal, pasta and dessert, <laughs> I feel it and I see it, and I want to feel the same in that time frame from the gym. Well, I, that's a very fair thing to say. <laughs> a very fair
0: thing to say. Uh, I. And I, but I, I know exactly what you're thinking. So I, I think I quit drinking when I was, like, 31, and, then, and, and I was, you know, I, I was uh, doughy and, and I had a horrible back and was completely out of shape. And right around 33 or 4, I said, oh, I feel like I want to start exercising now because I don't want to hit 50 and then go, ah, yeah. fuck, oh, I better uh, turn I this ah, around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I did, and I just don't think about it. I just go, and I don't really think about it. And it, it, it helped me a lot with, not that I'm a very patient person, but it helped me with patience because it just got me to focus on, hey, just get through this today, don't think about tomorrow or yesterday, yes. and just focus on, For sure. on this.
1: Well, that's, yeah, that's what I'm, and that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm working with this, I'm working with this trainer who's been training Reggie, Oh, Reggie was, Watts, yeah. lost, like, a ton of weight and looks amazing. And I'm like, right, I really got to get... <laughs> got to get it together now. Because Reggie's starting to come into work looking so buff. Right. The office is like, geez, have you seen Reggie? I'm like, yeah, it's my show! <laughs> <laughs> so, Reggie, we're just going to do... We have Reggie stand over the
0: keyboard without a shirt on. We're just, yeah. We just want yeah, yeah, to sure. see his Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, he's looking buff in the, in the most. So, I, I'm curious if, if, if when you were getting these offers coming... In for like, oh, you're bartender who talks to the main guy, and you're feeling you're already feeling insecure about. Oh, I feel like I look a certain way, and I don't Mm -hmm. look like Dominic Cooper. And so, what is it that's driving you, or what is it that's that's inspiring you to go? Okay, I I may maybe I feel bad about myself, and I'm not happy with these options, but this is what's going to drive me forward.
1: Um, I think I just I just never, I just never. Really had a. I never had a plan B. Mm-hmm. I never had a. I never had a thing like you. We'd go in at home. I think I imagine you have the same thing. You'd have a like careers advisors.
0: Yeah, yeah. Counsel, sit down yeah. at
1: school, and uh, I remember saying to my careers advisor, well, "I'm going to be an actor," and she was like, "Well, no, you'd you'd like to be an actor." <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> uh, sounds so, um, sounds like they're pretty similar over there to here. Yeah, by the way. and yeah. I said, and I said, well, no, I, I'm I'm going to be an actor, and I'm. Uh, and then she was like, right, well, you will need something to fall back on. And I was like, well, that's just sort of uh, contemplating failure, I thought. And so I just wanted to do it. I don't remember a time that I didn't want to perform. And I think the thing that, that drives me on is I, I just love performing. I love uh, I love acting. I love uh, the atmosphere in our studio. I love, I love everything that I'm... That I'm doing, and, and I don't... I don't want to ever... I, well, I came from the place of thinking I'd much rather regret doing something than not doing something. Right. That's how I sort of came to the conclusion of doing this show, which I felt very, very reticent to do, in uh, in truth. Uh, but I was like, I, who am I to to not do it? And I don't... I don't want to sit and go... ah. Oh. I really could have gone and made a TV show in America and, and done that rather than sitting going, well, I tried it and it didn't work, um, but I gave it my best shot, you right. know? And I feel the thing that drives me on really, I think is that I mostly I feel very, very lucky to have the opportunity to do it. I feel very lucky to have a show like this and I want to try, try as best we can to, to make it the, the best show that it can be. But in terms of like a driving force from my childhood I don't know I I didn't grow up in a particularly I didn't grow up in the worst area but it wasn't a good area it was you know painfully ordinary um and I yeah I just wanted to I didn't want to be stuck there really
0: and and, and it's interesting to because I think everyone has things about themselves that when they look in the mirror, they go, oh, this thing, or my ears, or my... Chi- oh, how can anyone not just stare at that the whole... But what you have to remember is that most people don't see any of that shit. And so even hearing you go, oh, this or this, but people don't see that. They look at you and they think, oh, James Corden, this is the guy who makes me happy every day. This is I the guy some, who I think some people see it. But they're not the right oh, people. But they're not the right people. It's just, you know, I think it's important to remember that... Whatever it is that you obsess over or focus on, 99% of the population does not focus on that at all.
1: For sure. And I have to say, uh, it, since, since coming to America to do this show, or the both times that I've worked in America, like, in a, in a greater concert, like doing one man, two governors, and then doing this show, um, the greatest thing about uh, America as an outsider being here... Is um, a tremendous sort of positive attitude towards uh, people that that they, that America might perceive to be talented. I find I found it. Uh, I find it overwhelming sometimes. Quite how quickly people have gone. Ah, oh, that's great! It's really great. You should keep doing that, and it's brilliant. We love it, and it, it makes me. Sometimes I feel like my heart's going to explode with the the, the, the volume of people that... Uh, when I came to do this show, like, I'm very aware that when it got announced that I did this show, that I was doing the show, the first thing people did was Google who the fuck is James Gordon. <laughs> I'm very aware of where we started from. A percentage of us were like,
0: it's Craig from Doctor Who!
1: I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, um, very, you know, from where we started from, but the, the, the volume of people that, that have just gone... Oh, we love your show, and we don't and that 's it. We love your show, and thank you for it. It is overwhelming to me sometimes yeah, because when you when you first when, when you first got the job, actually my fir- and
0: because i'm just i 'm dumb, my first thought was like, why would you want to do a TV show you 're doing all these films and I fi- I fi- and then you started doing the show, and I was like, oh, okay, because <laughs> now you 've carved out i mean corporal karaoke is it's insane what that has become. I know. I mean... It's crazy. And it's... And it's, you know... and Did this,
1: did this start with the, the George Michael one? Kind of. That wasn't really a, a, a carpool character in the sense that it is it exists now. But we were doing a sketch for a huge charity in the UK, called Comic Relief... Who have a big day called Red Nose Day. It's a big telethon. It's brilliant. I'm hosting uh, the American version of it. Oh, man, it's the best. It's just the absolute best. If only there was some way to cut through the ridiculous network politics so I could come and do something for you. (sighs) Um, But uh, it's... um, Like, at home, anyone from any network comes and does stuff for Comic Relief. It's It's just what you do. And it's a wonderful charity and an amazing day. And it's incredible. And, um... We'd done this. We made this sketch, which was my character from Gavin and Stacey. We'd done a couple of before, and in this sketch was um, Paul McCartney, uh, the ex Prime Minister of Great Britain, the current <laughs> England soccer captain, Kieran Knightley, and endless other huge names in Britain. And the whole thing started with me and George Michael in a car singing wham songs, and um, people just really responded to. It. They were like. Oh, Matt, like, the sketch had another probably seven or eight minutes to play, and the thing that people would talk about is this uh, this singing with George Michael. And so when we came here and when when you're sort of trying to put together a show like this that's every day, a late-night show, you absolutely need your uh, tent poles that you can hang your show on, like... If you think of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, you think of jaywalking. If it's Letterman, list, Top Ten List and Petrick. If it's If it's Fallon, it's Thank You Notes and Lip Sync Battles and Jimmy Kimmel. It's Mean Tweets. And if you don't have those, you're only reliant on news. And your show will pivot like this in, right. w- on, on whatever the news cycle might be at that time. Right. So we were like, we have to find the things that define our show. And we were like, well, we're in L.A., everyone seems to be obsessed with the traffic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> carpool lane, cars. What if we pick up the biggest singers in the world and it's like they're helping me get to work and we call it Carpool Karaoke. And I remember, I actually, I'd forgotten about this. We did a Paley Fest talk the other week and our exec producer, Ben, reminded me that we were sat, there's probably eight of us in the room, and, uh, and I went, Carpool Karaoke. And then I went, that's it. And I left. (laughs) (laughs) I left the room. I left the room and I went home. Because I was like, that's it. That's it. That's... I was so sure that it could be something... Now, look, I never thought it could be what it is now. But, like, I was sure it felt like a bit that you'd watch on a late night show. What I didn't anticipate was that no singer on the planet would say yes. Right. Uh, Like, if you think of a recording artist... Just everyone in the room and at home, think of a recording artist. Have you got one? Mm-hmm. They said no. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and God bless Mariah Carey for just taking a punt on it. It she's, also it also helps that you have uh,
0: some golden pipes. I mean the well, one you. the one with you kind. and Adele where you start harmonizing with her and she's like she does that and she, she looks at you like <laughs> it's quite ridiculous. I don't because I just. I, mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if everyone knows that you have a boy band background.
1: Uh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I used to form boy bands at school. Uh, it was my obsession and my dream to just be in a boy band. <laughs>
0: it's all I ever wanted. Uh, what are some of the names?
1: Well, the first boy band that we called was called Full Frontal, but <laughs> we. <laughs> It's <laughs> true <And> we, ne- <laughs> we never actually played any gigs no of course not. we never did anything we just walked around school going, I oh, know we're a new boy band we're called Full frontal <laughs> uh, and then the next boy band I formed was called insatiable uh-huh. why sure. why? Because you just can't get enough of course and <laughs> you can never and we uh, we actually we played like I think four times at like after school stuff or whatever and uh we, yeah, we really thought this is it. We're going to be huge. And then, uh, then that band disbanded for, for musical differences.
0: <laughs> uh, I feel very satiable right now. I just yeah. don't know
1: if I can be insatiable. <laughs> <laughs> and then I formed a band which was uh, me and three of my friends and they played instruments and we did a lot of Queen covers and we called ourselves, wait for it, Twice Shy. <laughs> Because the great so t- that wait we were twice shy only for the reason that then our first album could be called Once Bit Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. It's a great white song. It's not Terrible. too late for you to form a boy band, by the way. I feel like it is. I feel like it is. I think all I can do now is on our show look like I'm sort of doing a pastiche of a boy band. But if we ever do that on our show and you see that, like... Um, like, we did this thing, but me and Jordan Peele and Nick Kroll formed a... We said that we were in a boy band together called Three Way. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we, we realised that what we wanted to do was take existing boy band songs um, but make them really dirty. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. we wanted <laughs> yeah. to cut through all the love and romance yep. and just be really dirty. So we did, like... Um, Tell me why, why can't we have a three-way? Yep, yep. Tell me why, but what if it's my birthday? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then the other one—the <laughs> other one I really liked—was uh, we did the the new kids on the block. It was called the Butt Stuff, uh-huh. and then we did <laughs> yep. uh, Hanson's umbop, But it just went boops, mm, boobs, 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 <laughs> boobs, boobs, boobs. Bo- 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 boobs, boobs. But About, what I want you to know is anytime you see me in a thing like, oh, he's making fun of boy bands, when I'm doing it, I'm in it. It's all in, you're all in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a little, I wanna sex you
0: up in the butt. Like, it's like, <laughs> all day long. So know, so now, now that we're talking, I feel like I wanna pitch you a movie, and this is for a movie for you and I to star in with two other people. Go on. Two, it's a it's a group of dudes who are around forty, yeah, and they always had this dream, and they de- finally decide to form their boy band. <laughs> I think that script exists. I'm sure it does.
1: <laughs> I think, yeah, genuinely, I'm not even joking. <laughs> I've read that script quite recently, so we'll do it then. Sure. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> what is the is there as in carpool karaoke? Just really quickly, like. How long does it take to shoot one? Like, what are the mechanics of that? Are you driving around for hours or is Um, it like you kind of just bang it out?
1: They take about anywhere between an hour and two hours, really, depending on if we're going to do any other things. I mean, you're spending a lot of time in the car with some of the most famous singers in the world. It's amazing. And the thing I'm most proud of in them is that the, um, the songs are obviously the glue that hold it all together. But the thing I really love about them is the sort of unguarded interview That you get, because people just seem to relax in that environment. And they, these are a lot of people who spend a lot, most of their day never on their own. Right. They're always with publicist, stylist, manager, security, whatever it is. And suddenly they get in a car and we drive around and uh, I always say the same thing to them when we start. I just say, look, this is a completely safe environment. We're never, really, we're never ever trying to put one over on you or anything right. and, uh, and this will be it's best if you commit to the songs as if you're playing Madison Square Garden. like the more you go for it, the better it is and um, And then we just drive around having a chat, and it is it's, a, it's ridiculous that it would be part of my job, like when we did the one with Bruno Mars. I genuinely got quite depressed afterwards. Because <laughs> I had been looking forward to it so long. I'd just been... I'd, like, literally been counting down the days... And then it was over. ..to get in a car and sing with him. And, like, he just went for it in the way that I always dreamt he would. <laughs> and then, uh, And then when it finished, I was like, oh. Oh, that was it. Done now. Now what? <laughs> I want to do that again. Yeah. Is that, is, what, what happened with the Chili Peppers? Oh man, it was—they're incredible. Well, firstly, they're amazing, but yes, we—we um—we were shooting with a, the carpool, and we'd actually come up with this sort of stupid idea. A lot of the things that happen—if we ever stop on the way or things like that—they are genuinely just happening organically. Like me and Anthony Kiedis had a fight on a on a front <laughs> lawn, like, and people had said, "Oh, but you knew that you booked a permit for that lawn," we were like. We don't have a permit. We? <laughs> uh, and we, um, and we, uh, yeah, we, and so then we had this thing where I said that I thought it was a better dancer than Anthony Kiedis, and he was like, you challenging me to a dance-off? I said, yes, yeah. so we pulled over just on this suburban road, like three minutes from here, and on the corner of the road was, uh, you know, there's fruit stands, the carts, yeah. so people are selling fruit, yeah. and, and, and Anthony said, whoever loses has to buy the other person some fruit. I said, great. So we start doing this stupid sort of dance, and then suddenly... Over the road, this woman uh, runs out, an older woman with this this baby <laughs> flopped over her arm and she was shouting, can someone call an ambulance? Will someone call an ambulance? And the, what I now know is the mother of that child was like screaming and crying and this baby was like this. And Anthony Kiedis didn't take a second. He just ran over the road and then Chad went... Then I went, I think Josh and Flea were, 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 were coming up the stairs to the house, and Anthony Keyes took this baby and he lay her on the floor and he just started rubbing her chest and he was listening and he said, it's okay, she's breathing, it's okay. And it was, he was saying, someone calling an ambulance, and he started rubbing her chest and he was talking to this baby and they're freaking out and he was going... He was going, it's, it's going to be okay, it's okay. And he was, shh. And he started sort of trying to tap her on the back and lay her on her side and tap her on the back. And then, was, and then he lifted this, this baby up and her eyes had, like, rolled back in her head. And he lifted this baby up and she just let out, like, the biggest burp and came round. And he looked at this baby and he went, she's going to be okay. Oh <laughs> and he handed the child. Anthony Kiedis saved the baby's life. And, uh, and we were like... And then what was really amazing was you saw the grandmother and the mother like, oh, my God. And at that point, you could sort of just hear vague sort of sirens of uh, an ambulance coming. And uh, (laughs) then they looked and saw, like, firstly, they saw all these cameras and people outside the house. And then you could just see a flicker as we walked away from the house of the woman going, is that the Red Hot
0: Chili? in the car and drive off, you know. How do you... How do you, how do you keep shooting after Anthony Keenus saves
1: a baby's life? Well, you... <laughs> you you are thankful that he did, because you certainly can't start shooting if it goes if the, it other the other way. way yes, of so course. you're just yes. like, actually, we were all quite euphoric. Hey, it. how about that? That was amazing. Let's, uh, give it away, give it away, <laughs> give it away now. You know? <laughs> When we come back, our audience
0: members are going to be sitting right up here. They're going to stand up and ask questions. Plus, we're going to hear from you guys at home. Uh, it's very easy to be a part of the show. Use at Talking on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're going to find exclusive updates about upcoming guests. You can ask questions of your own. Uh, you're always involved in the conversation. Uh, so, more with James Corden we come back on Talking with Chris Edwards. <laughs> Welcome back to Talking with Chris Edwards. James Corden is my guest. Just some, uh, just some reactions from around the social, uh, the social sphere. DiCaprio Steve says on Twitter, James Corden is such a legend, I cannot explain how much I love that guy. The Great Pombeno says, I love carpool karaoke more than the average human, but I watch them just to stare at James. Uh, and then, this one's fun, because there's a lot of, th- I'm going to read you a tweet, and there are going to be a lot of question marks, okay? And I can't answer them. Uh, this is on Twitter, James Corden is number two on my list of late night white guy hosts I'm horny for. I don't know who number one is, but I, ju- I just want to tell you the username, at boners. At boners. <laughs> so that is the best part of that. I don't know who I don't know who the other one is, but wow. You're in the top two for boners. Uh, I, I'll, I'll be in boner's top two. I'll be in boners top two. It's all right. Um, mean Mama on Instagram wants to know: has anyone ever sang so badly that you really expected to sing well, but when they were in the vehicle, <laughs> you, you maybe regretted singing with them. <laughs> I see the look on your face! I see the look on your face, and I'm sure you don't want to say.
1: Yeah, there was one that was (laughs) I'm not gonna You can't say who it
0: was. But you had you I, I was very intimidated because you let me sing with you for Christmas. We did the Star Wars Wookiee songs. Yes, song, yeah. And I'm an okay karaoke no, you singer, are a great but, singer. I, but I'm not. I'm not. I do not have your golden theatrical boy pipes. I do not have insatiable pipes. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think you could have cut it. You could have cut it in full frontal for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with no shows. Yeah. yeah, with zero shows, of course. Uh, let's have the audience. Uh, anyone in the audience want to stand up and ask a question? Yes, you, sir, yeah. in the hoodie. What's your name? Uh, my name's Tony. So what is your name? It? Tony. Tony, what's yeah. your question? So, um, which One Direction member would you want to raise a child with, and why? <laughs> this is a great question.
1: It's a very, very good question.
0: And, wow. and also, you're, you're, you're going to make one uh, percentage of the population very happy, and the rest are going to attack you
1: like it's brave heart. No, here's the thing. I should be so lucky (laughs) to raise a child with any of those sweethearts uh, who I am incredibly fond of. But I think if I had to raise a child with one of them, and this is only based on he's probably the member who spent the most time with my son, so I've seen him interact with genuinely my child, so I would raise it with Harry. Harry, uh, yeah, he would be. Yeah, he's got some good instincts.
0: Yeah, I would, I would choose him too, just to take his last name, because it's just a great it's last name. Styles is a great, name, is a great oh, way better than Hardwick. I have a, uh, I have a present for you, which is everyone gets a present. This is, uh, I, we borrowed this from your show. Uh, mm-hmm. Next Don't door, cool. So <laughs> this is for you. Thank you, thank you, Tony. Um, I, when, we were at the, when we were at the commercial break, I was, I was talking to you because, you know, my wife wants to have kids. Yes. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit older of a father, but I'm really sort of terrified by the idea because I feel like, because I know how busy I am and I know you're equally as busy when I go, but then Corden's got two kids. So how does he, how do you
1: juggle the insane schedule of the career and the children? Well, I, I think it actually makes it easier. Genuinely, because I don't think uh, some people get confused, I think, when they have kids and they confuse um, minutes in the day or just being in under the same roof as spending time with their kids. And I don't think that's what it is. I think what's important and all your kid actually wants is that when you're there, that you're completely present with them and you go, this is what we're going to do, and we'll be present with you, and we're going to be a dad now. And so what's important is not the amount of time or the number of minutes, it's the quality of the time that you spend. So, for example, I I didn't see my son this morning. He was still asleep when I left. I saw my daughter very briefly for probably four or five minutes and and then left, and I probably won't see them tonight because they'll go to bed before I get home. But when Saturday comes, all that's, all that's important is that I go, right, I have nothing to do. My, my only job for the next seven hours is to be completely present with you now so that when I'm around, I'm really around. And actually, I think that's the only way you can juggle being busy at all is that actually, if you just go, what's the thing that I have to do now and I won't think about anything else other than being the best version of myself now. So if I, if all I'm thinking about now is trying to give you and make this the, the best episode it can be. And then I'm going to leave here and go, and now I'm going to try and make the best, be the best host or boss tonight. And then when I get home, I'm going to try and be the best husband. And if I call my friend Gavin, I'm going to try and be the best friend and then they're to be the best, try and be the best son. And if that's what you're just always trying to do, you will only be a, a success and manage that time. It's the moment when you go, oh, God, I got that on Thursday and that's on Friday. This doesn't really matter because so I just got to think about that. Then it's all a disaster. That then sounds it very familiar falls, to me. <laughs> then it all falls apart. <laughs> if you're like, oh, God, i just got to get through this because it's, that thing's that's important. Well, that thing might never come. and might never arrive. So, actually, if you just go... When I get to that, I'll think about that. And right now, I'm just going to think about this. Then uh, then I, I find that's the only way I can sort of juggle it, and particularly with having a, a family, is just, you know, walking in the door. Sometimes I'll sit outside my house and finish emails in the car because then i know that when I shut the door, I'll just put my phone somewhere else and just try and be completely present with my wife which I've only learned in the last couple of years that that's actually the only way we can have a proper relationship and we can have a proper relationship with our kids. Because if you're just going, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and, then,
0: and then they're dealing with whatever stress you're dealing with yeah. and they're feeling that you're not checked in. Yeah, I should try that at home <laughs> <laughs> with my wife. And also, I want to be the best partner I can to Harry Styles. But it's
1: uh, <laughs> it's just being uh, present at that time. That's all it is. And so if you're only... Because the truth is... This is going to be very deep. <laughs> the only thing that exists is this. Everything behind us is gone. Everything in front of us is unknown. So all you've actually got is now. Right. So that's all you've got. Everything else is dust. This is the only thing that's ever happening. So if you're just trying to do that now and be in this then when you get home be in that and tomorrow be wherever you need to be and when you raise a child with Harry Styles be there for him <laughs> I will <laughs> then be you'll there for him I will be there do. for you
0: Harry uh we have a viewer question via video chat
1: Hi James my name's Erica from Greenfield Massachusetts and I'm curious who your dream carpool karaoke guest would be that you haven't had on yet Who would be my dream car uh well The truth is, it's getting harder to do because we have just done so many great people. Uh, We have one coming up with Ed Sheeran. Uh, We have... uh, We just shot one yesterday with Usher. We have uh, a... Which was so much fun. We have a big one coming up we're going to do in a couple of weeks, I think. And then, really, it's just all a quest to get Beyoncé, isn't it? Of course.
0: Eventually... There's no way you won't get her. There's no way you won't get her.
1: She's got a... I, She's got a couple of things she needs to get out of her yeah, there's system. there's a couple of things to get out of her uh, system that are shaped like human beings. And then, and then I reckon, yeah, I hope so. I hope so so much. We'll see.
0: But how was the Ed Sheeran one? He is a delightful little ginger man ferret. Yeah, I... it, was,
1: uh, it was really fun. Well, I've, I've known Ed for quite some time, and he was actually the first person we ever asked to do it. And he was so sweet. He was like, I just, I just want to disappear for a bit. Sure. And he said, but I promise when my next record comes out, I will 100% do it. And to his word, give him credit. He really did, and he turned up, and he was great. We had a full jam on the guitar. It was really good fun. So, uh, yeah. And then there's so many. You know, I'd love to do Springsteen. I really would love to do... I just don't imagine it would ever happen. I'd love to do Radiohead.
0: Oh, my oh. God. Well, yeah, you know, I think... I think—I mean, Radiohead, I've seen them in concert so many times. Yeah. I, I mean, it's... We can cut this out of the show, but I'm just going to tell you a little story. of In 1995, I was working at a, I was working at MTV in America, and I was working at a radio station called K Rock. Yeah. And they have this big annual Christmas concert called the Acoustic Christmas, and and mm-hmm. Creep had just come out, and I love that Pablo Honey yeah. was a great album. Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, they had this huge hit song. They were playing the Acoustic Christmas. Someone else was supposed to interview Radiohead from the station, and they bailed. They had to go to something else. So someone goes. Hey, Chris, do you want to come interview Radiohead? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to interview Radiohead. (laughs) So I don't know what happened, but Tom was not in a good mood. Oh. Tom was not in a good mood that night. Uh, And so he... I walked over and I go, hey, I'm Chris, I'm going to interview you. And he immediately stood up and goes, this interview's over. And then, like, stormed out. (laughs) And legitimately, for 20 years, 20 years, whenever... I don't know what voice of failure you hear in your head... When something goes wrong, if it's like a coach who's like, you, you'll you never be anything, or your parents being like, get out of here, you loser. But whenever I fucked up in life from then on, I always heard, this interview's over. Oh, God. And oh. legitimately still one of my favorite bands of all time. But I think Tom has really lightened up ever since becoming a dad. Yes. And so I... Feel like you? I feel like Radiohead. I don't know. I, don't
1: know. <laughs> I mean, I yes, I'd be very surprised. But, you should see if the Queen. Well, you should see if the
0: Queen would do it for like Red Nose Day or something.
1: Yeah. Again, I can't see that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this stuff, you just fill the car with corgis. She doesn't know where she's getting
1: into. Yeah. <laughs> I should notice the jobs are in the vehicle at the
0: moment.
1: (laughs) We'd have to trick her.
0: I want to sex you up in the butt. (laughs) I see it happening. I see it happening. Uh, We have someone else in the audience who wants to ask a question. Please stand up. Hi, what is your name? Hi, my name's Faith. Faith, what is your question for James Corden? So uh, my question is, what is your dream theater role if you could disregard your age, race, gender?
1: Oh, good question. Well, I was... Before I took this show, I was going to do... We were just starting to talk about doing a Stephen Sondheim musical called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, which we were going to do on Broadway. Um, I still very much like that role. Um, I also have a dream, which I spoke to him about, in this studio. Me and uh, Jim Parsons were doing a ridiculous pastiche video of dust in the wind. (laughs) (laughs) And... um, (laughs) And I said to him, I went, you know what we should do in about ten years? We should do the producers. And he went, oh, my God, yes, we should do that. So that's, that sticks in my mind, because I think uh, to play like Max Bialystok with someone like him in The Producer would be a real dream come true. That's a true. really good idea. Oh, it would be an absolute dream. Um, and then if I could just be... If I could not be me and just choose any role in the world... There's a musical which is not beloved at all. There's a Candor and Ebb musical called uh, Kiss of the Spider-Woman where there's a character called Melina who um, is a uh, transvestite criminal in prison. And um, it's just a role I've always loved. I watched it when I was, like, 14. (laughs) I cried my eyes out. And uh, it's got some beautiful songs. So, yeah, I'd love a stab at that fantastic well you know it's interesting i have a very special thing for you um
0: this is a karaoke machine (laughs) and also just because you know you probably want to be able to have some songs yeah sure Uh, can you hand me that other one too yeah thank you very much i'm sending you home with a lot of stuff this are these all these are all different books brandon Okay, great. Yeah, these are all, di- these are different songbooks and then your, your very own karaoke machine. Right, Here, I'll you. take this you microphone for you. can't possibly
1: hold all this. I think right. she can do it. I, I think she know. can do it. Thank <laughs> you, Faye. This thank is like a game so so show much. in I itself. This really I'll is. You oh, you want this too? Okay, great. That's thank the thank Perfect.
0: Let's take one more video message.
1: Hi, I'm Donna from Bakersfield, California, and my question is, James, you've got 15 seconds to talk your way out of a speeding ticket. Ready? Go.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> Notice you were going pretty fast back there. What's the rush?
1: <laughs> officer, mm-hmm. I'm on my way to church mm-hmm. where I am teaching underprivileged children. What are you teaching them? I am teaching them that drugs are bad and wrong. And if what I kind of drugs? If I don't get all drugs, officer, okay. you okay. know that better okay. than anyone. Okay. Hey, 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 hey. Marijuana is a gateway drug, and you know that. It just became legal
0: here. You're under arrest. Ah! Uh, I think he would have gotten out of that. Well, we got a break. I want to let you know the uncut extended version of this interview is available as a podcast at Nerdist. Also, go to amc.com slash talking for bonus clips, exclusive content, and links to the podcast for every one of our episodes. More with Mr. James Corden when we come back. See you in a few minutes. Welcome back. James Corden is talking with me, Chris Hardwick. I, th- I think one of the... Th- this ties into something this you told me is that uh, one of the last times I did your sh- er, show, you were like, yeah, I'm shooting, and then I'm going to go do Oceans 8. I'm like, when the hell do you have time to do that? So Harold H. Cha on Twitter says, can you give me some details about Oceans 8? Are you playing a good guy or a bad guy? And then in all caps... Does Rihanna look sexy in person?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't meet Rihanna when we uh, shot that film. I I play... um, I'm just a very, very small part in it. I play an insurance investigator who's uh, come to New York to not really investigate the crime, just try to find the thing that's been stolen. So, for me, I I did it cos I got to have scenes with, like, Sandra Bullock and Uh Anne Hathaway and... uh, I just loved it. The director is a a guy I'm incredibly fond of called Gary Ross. And I just, it was a wonderful week to go to New York and do a bit of acting. And I've always wanted to film, or I, I was lucky enough to do a film called Begin Again, which shot in New York. And then I think I just have a real romantic sort of association with filming anything in New York City. I think it's just, it feels like, I don't know, so glamorous, so... I loved it. It was wonderful, but uh, I can't help him on the Rihanna question.
0: Okay. Uh, any one more any, one more question? Yes, hi. What is your name? Uh, my name is Megan. And what's your question, Megan? My question is, I know you did a lot of theater, so I wanted to know uh, what stereotypical theater kid were you in school?
1: Oh, the worst. <laughs> you know, all I cared about was doing shows, being in plays, doing things. You know, uh, my parents... Well, we didn't have we didn't have uh, masses of money when I was growing up. So we, uh, my wife can never believe this. From like the age of seven onwards, I never had a birthday party. In fact, I had my first birthday had a dinner, like just with a few friends last year, and that was the first time I'd had a birthday thing really since I was seven. Because um, I had uh, my parents would just get me uh, theatre tickets, so I'd go with either my dad or my mum... And I'd go and watch musicals in the West End. So that was all I, uh, was all I ever wanted to do. Uh, I was the worst theatre kid, tap dancing, singing, sketches, anything that could involve any sort of sense of performing live, was all I ever wanted to do. So I was a horrific theatre kid. <laughs> I will say also, it was my choice not to have birthday parties as I got older. Sure. I just didn't want to be one of those people that sends out a huge text. Right, to everyone... Come hey, celebrate guys, Having hey. drinks. Uh, <laughs> just so you know, having drinks for my birthday at all by one. Pop by eight pm. Be great to see you. I'm like, no. Yeah. Gonna be like a group text. Or who are these people now that have started having a birthday week? Oh, have you yeah. met these idiots? <laughs> have you met these people? I've heard birthday month. I know. Say birthday month. I heard someone the other day say. Uh, it's my birthday and the guy went it was your birthday on Sunday (laughs) well it's my birthday week (laughs) I'm gonna stretch this out as long as possible think about the actual wording birth day 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 Mm -hmm. week Week. yeah
0: it's my birth year yeah I just couldn't be. be
1: the person hey guys drinks and nibbles Uh, i just couldn't do it come celebrate i couldn't do it i have a very special
0: thing for you uh this is really a big this is a good one do we have it backstage where is it here it is um this is your very own but wait 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 Wait! you might be thinking but wait what am i gonna do alone with this well you'll never be alone again you'll never be alone
1: When you got James Gordon in your car. Oh, you can hang on to that. I hope you're not flying back anywhere. that's (laughs) going to
0: be a nightmare. Um, let's, uh, Let's do one more video question. Hi, I'm Blythe from Port Charlotte, Florida. So, James, I'm wondering, you've done so many animated characters, which is awesome. But I'm wondering, how do you keep them fresh and unique every single time you do them? Thanks so much.
1: Uh... Well, I mean, it's difficult, because essentially they are almost always my voice. Um, But I've just been doing this, um, I'm doing the voice of, they're making a a movie of Peter Rabbit. Uh And I'm being the voice of Peter Rabbit, and it's part live action, part animation. And uh, I'm really, really enjoying finding, it's a great director called Will Gluck, and we're just trying to find, we've done a few sessions trying to find what his voice is, and... He's just sort of sit up there. Come on, guy. And I'd like, for me, it's uh, a a time where I can act and do stuff whilst I do this show. So I'll go and whether it's Trolls or like the Emoji movie that I just uh, I'm doing right now or uh, or this Peter Rabbit film, it's two hours or three hours where I can just sort of feel like you're right in a thing. But I always leave quite achy. (laughs) Because <laughs> you're, you're user, just your whole, guy all yeah, the time simply, Come on guys And you get in the car and you're like what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh I don't
0: do this most of the time yeah. right. How's the emoji movie Because I, I, we sort of poked fun When we heard they were doing an emoji movie It's like oh these millennials They don't even want to write words anymore yeah. Is it fu-? But then I saw the cast and I'm like okay Well if they're doing it, it it must
1: be okay Well I mean who can ever know If something Look all I know is no one ever starts out on anything To ever try and make anything that's bad uh, you just don't, and... M. But, Night Shyamalan. <laughs> he still didn't start going, it's gonna be bad. Did you see Split? No, I heard Split was good. It's awesome. I, it's James awesome. McA-
0: I love James McAvoy. McAvoy
1: is a hero, and it's incredible, but the Emoji Movie is very, very funny, because the notion of the film is, uh, that all of the, uh, there's a glitch in the phone, mm-hmm. and there's one emoji which has got every expression. <laughs> And uh, so they find out that this guy is going to take his phone to get this glitch fixed, and when it does, he will die. Uh, this this one emoji that can have any expression he wants, he'll die. So he's got to get to the mainframe and fix the glitch before he dies. And my character is high five. <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> all of the going to say on your IMDb well, page. All of the uh, all of the favorites. You know your favorite emojis. Yes. They all sit in this amazing palace behind a rope curtain and they have an incredible life. And if you're not on the favourites board, you're just way back. And High Five used to be a favourite... And he feels like the guy's just forgotten about how great a high five is. Because now, he's like, he's sending fist bumps and explosions. He's forgotten the beauty of being a high five. And, he's, and he says, if he could just see me up there, he'll remember how amazing a high five is. Is this the high five one? No, just that. Just, just this one. One
0: five. Boy, I, I, am, very, I am very computer savvy. Uh, I worked in tech for a long time. I covered tech for a long time. It was only about five months ago that I realized that this is not the high-five emoji. (laughs) And I had been sending it to tons of people. And my wife goes... That's the prayer emoji. I'm like, no, it's a high five. She goes, that's a fucking prayer emoji. And then I flash back to... She goes, it's the same hand. And I go, oh, my God. And in a moment, I flash back to every time where someone was like, hey, great job on this. Hey, thanks, buddy. Let us pray. You know, like, I am so...
1: (laughs) Namaste. Well, I met someone... I met someone the other day who was called Lol, right? Their name was Lol. And they were, like, in their 30s... Oh, no. And I was like, that's a nightmare. <laughs> you imagine you have to send a text going, oh, my God, I'm so sorry for your loss. My thoughts are with you at this time.
0: LOL. LOL. Well, that was a...
1: <laughs> there was a... You know, I remember seeing
0: something on Reddit once where a woman's mom thought that LOL meant lots of love. And so when she posted
1: on Facebook, my cat passed away, her mom wrote LOL. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did you hear about... There's a woman the other day... Uh, we read a story about a woman the other day whose name is Alexa Siri. Oh, no! But her name is Alexa oh, Siri. No. So, but all the devices light up. All the devices yeah. light up. And she called it a waking nightmare. <laughs> 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 well,
0: before we release you uh, back, literally, to just walk next door to do your own show, first of all, thank you so much for spending oh, time man, with us Oh, man, i loved it.
1: What a pleasure. Um, just because...
0: Doing your show is so much fun... And this it's is so bad, so well produced, and, and I love that you've sort of brought back the full conversation chat. Like, both guests are out, you know, the audience is involved, Reggie's involved, and it's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, do man.
1: Well, thank you um, for every time you've been there.
0: But I also, uh, I would love to, I don't know why, but this show is kind of evolving this thing where at the end I kind of say, hey, what's a, and you've given us a lot of wisdom today, but what's a piece of, What's a piece of life advice that you enjoy or what's something that, you know, that you want to impart to your kids or impart to people? Like, what, what's something that really is kind of where your
1: heart lives? Um, well, I, th- I think uh, the thing my dad would always say to me, which I will try to say to my children, is uh, the, difference, the difference between doing something and not doing something is doing something. So do something. doesn't matter what it is. Do something. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, like, life's hard and it's difficult and I, please, God, touch wood, it's long. But, like, if you're trying to do something, do it and go for it and commit to it, because uh, there's a lot of young people here in this room and you, your um, you, life plays tricks with you and time starts to speed up at a rate where you can't even fathom where the last ten years has gone. Oh, my God, I know. And my whole life, I would just think, when I, when I get my own place, my life will be like this. When I become an actor, my life will be like this. When this happens... And you realise that that's not, that's not what it's about. Your life is this right now. So uh, do something and lighten up. Yeah, excellent. (laughs) There you go. Uh, That's a perfect... uh, That's how
0: we end our podcast normally, is say enjoy your burrito, enjoy the present as it is happening. Thank you so much to James Corden for being here. The Late Late Show is Weakness on CBS. Uh, Always check out At Talking on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to find out who's going to be on the show and how you can be a part of it. We Couldn't do the show without you. And then also, do you want to promote Drop the Mic or Carpool Karaoke on Apple? I'll be alright Alright, okay, fine <laughs> Well, Drop the Mic is a show that you should watch That uh, Corden is producing And then also uh, Carpal Karaoke on Apple as, as well That'll be out at some point That'll be I out mean, at some know. point yeah. I'm Chris Hardwick Thank you so much for watching At Hardwick on the Twin and the Grams Don't text and drive Be nice to each other I'll see you next week Good night <laughs> Good
1: Now leaving Nerdist.com Enjoy your burrito <laughs>